0: Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. And today I got to tell you, I'm really excited. This is going to be a very powerful interview. We're going to be talking about sales and how to grow your sales and how to use technology and artificial intelligence to improve your sales. I'm talking today with Adam Honig. He's the founder and CEO of Spiro Technologies. They're a CRM company that is really focused on breathing new life into sales technology to help sales pe- people and business owners really achieve more and do it in, in a much easier way with technology really supporting you. Um, he's been involved in, uh, in startups and in the tech industry for over 25 years, and, um, and he's just got a, a, a really neat approach to sales. So Adam, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO. I'm excited to have a conversation today.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good to talk to you too, Steve. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. So, just to to give everybody some context uh, around your background beyond the bio, w- what got you kind of to this stage of your career?
1: Well, I've been um, you know I've been in the startup scene for a while. I, I started uh, a company with a, a bunch of guys uh, when I was uh, 25. That uh, I was the only. Person on the founding team that could actually speak in full English sentences. So I got to do sales, which is kind of how I got into sales initially. And uh, you know, we wound up doing pretty well with that business. We wound up taking it public and selling it. And I, I started another business after that to focus on sales, which is really my passion. And we we implemented um, a lot of different sales technologies for people. And so, starting for me, I, I built my second company up to be a 150-person consulting company advising. You know, firms like Bose or Charles Schwab and, and MetLife on, on how to use CRM, uh, this, this customer relationship management technology to, uh, to improve their, uh, the way that they sell and the way that they can understand what's going on, uh, in their sales process. And, uh, for me, um, you know, what really happened was, uh, you know, working with all of these companies and, and helping them in sales. I, I really realized how much salespeople in particular hated the technology solutions that uh, that we were foisting on them, basically, you know, because salespeople, and I, I've been a salesperson for, for a long time, uh, you know, we really like to be independent. We like to do our own thing. Uh, and then often when we put uh, a bit of technology in place for them, uh, you know, to, to, to guide them or to control them as they think about it, it, it can often really backfire. And so a lot of the work that we did was dealing with these really messy situations. And so long story short, I, I, I sold my last company and I said, what I really want to focus on is building software for salespeople that can really help them, uh, you know, move their prospects through the pipeline a lot easier without all this complication that software brings to it. And that, that's kind of how we, you know, founded Spiro. And so you alluded to the, the, the origin story of our name. Spiro comes from the Latin word spirare. And so that means to breathe. And so we feel like this area of technology needs to be, you know, a, a wind needs to come in and breathe out all the terrible stuff that's there and allow for new software to, to you know, really flourish in its wake.
0: You know, I'm sitting here kind of listening to you describe that and, and picturing, because I've been in those, those uh, rollouts where, You've got some salespeople, and you're trying to get them to embrace a new technology. Um, it's it's sort of like trying to take a kid to the dentist, you know? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're kicking and screaming and grabbing on the door as you carry them in, um, because I think in a lot of ways, salespeople think, "Well, look, you know, that's getting in the way of me building the relationships that I need to build. It's busy work, and that's not what I'm here for." Um, and so, I, I'm kind of int- interested as we get. Further into the conversation to to learn more about what you guys are doing to change that, um, because uh, because I think that's one of the biggest barriers to people actually using something like a you know a CRM because you know it's just it's a lot of extra work. Although there's great advantages to you know having your sales process organized. So. Um, yeah.
1: So well, if I'm you think about salespeople, you know, we're, we're like, we're really, really good salespeople are really in the moment. Like I'm, I'm talking to Steve, I'm focused on you. Like the last thing I'm thinking about is taking notes or, you know, schedule, you know, like all of this other kind of admin crap that needs to happen. And, and so the best salespeople are always the ones who are the worst at that kind of technology stuff. So it's just, a, it's been a dilemma, you know?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. So you've built, multiple companies um, and and you've now uh, started Spiro. And I can almost guarantee, unless you're really unusual for for the guests we've had on the show, that, that that hasn't been a perfectly smooth, you know, straight up the the mountain of success climb for you. There had to have been some times when things maybe weren't going the way that that you'd expected. How have you dealt with that over the years? What are some of the ways you've you've thought through uh, you know, Getting past the challenges, staying you know focused and persistent.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's a, it's definitely a challenge. It's a weekly challenge. I mean, nothing nothing ever goes really according to plan. I mean, my I mentioned that my first company we uh, we wound up had the fortune to grow it big enough where we could take it public, and and as a publicly traded software company, we uh, we did a didn't do as good a job growing it at that point, and we we lost two thirds of our market value, and we wound up selling the company a year later. Uh, for a, a fraction of what the IPO price was, and that was very hard uh, for me personally, being one of the founders, kind of being there all the time. Every relative I ever had invested in the company, and so every wedding and family gathering I went to after that, people were bothering me about it, and and it's it's hard not to take that super personally, you know. And I think you know that that for me was you know a moment where uh, you know I really learned um, you know how to focus myself on what's really important. Um, and you know, so, so for me today, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in small steps lead to success. And I'm, uh, I'm the kind of guy who really likes to get organized about what the process is that, that I'm going to take. You know, what am I going to do today, this week, this month that are going to lead to that? And what I, what I've kind of made my peace with over time is that if, if I, if I'm doing the right thing, and I'm following the steps that I think are the right steps to do. Uh, then you know the right outcome is going to happen, even if it's not, you know, like like in the moment today that that it's happening. You know what I mean? Like I trust over time that that will happen with the right effort. Does that does that make any sense?
0: Oh, it makes complete sense. I, and I love that approach. Um, and, and I'm right there with you. Um, I, I think it's those those small activities that you sort of turn into habit that ultimately accrue to the big wins and i see people all the time getting tied up in knots trying to swing for the fence and hit the home run and you know occasionally that'll happen but what i've always found is that if i'm doing all the small things right you know like you talk about then that means i'm getting up to bat and i'm taking what's there and occasionally i am going to hit one out of the park
1: right right yeah. yeah no and the the other thing that i believe in and and i know you had a recent guest who was talking about the power of positivity on the show but i i really do believe in visualization of the goal so it, it's got to be both like like if you if you're just staring at the top of the mountain it's daunting and it it's hard to get there you know so you need the small steps to kind of break down the path to do things but for me i'm also very focused on the vision of like what is it going to be like when i'm on top of of that mountain, you know? And so with my current company, with Spiro, we, we have a, um, a company meeting once a week to talk about kind of how we're doing and bring the whole team together. And we have a picture that we show, uh, which is uh, a picture of the Prudential Tower, which is one of the larger buildings here in Boston with the Spiro flag flying on top of it. You know, because part of our goal as a company to be so successful that that's, you know, that's the height at which Spiro is gonna be, you know? And so that sort of visual metaphor or kind of idea about where we're trying to get to or vision, you know, I feel like it, it's got to be the two things together to really make that happen. Otherwise, you know, you can just kind of get too caught up in the little things too.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I love that you actually have a picture of it. I think so many people think out into the future, you know, they, but they don't get that crystal clear. You know, they've, they've got this vague vision and, and by having it very, very clear, you now know the lay of the land, you know the map.
1: Right. And I, I think something like like a flag or or something like that for me works so much better than saying, oh, we're going to do $100 million in revenue, or we're going to have a million customers, or like those all sound very abstract to me. I really, for, for the team, to get the team organized around what the goal is, I really want them to, like in their skin, feel like it, what it's going to be like at that moment, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I think the, I mean, we could debate all day long whether money goals or customer count and all that sort of thing is is the right way to set the goal but I, I always look at those things as as the result you know at the end of the day that's sort of the byproduct of the fact that you've done a whole lot of other things right you've created some other uh, reality that attracted the money that attracted the customers that i mean that's why they came is because you painted this vision um, and, and I know that, that, that's really what you guys are trying to do with sales and, and say that, Hey, there's a different way to approach this. Um, and, and to me, when you can successfully do that, you know, you're almost creating a, a movement or a shift, um, you know, it, within the, the group of people that you're trying to impact. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think I, I love the way you're going about it. I think that's, that's just a fantastic approach.
1: Cool. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's very emotional, you know, like this is, this is one of the things I feel like I learned over my, the course of my career is that, you know, when I first started out in sales and in business, I felt like people bought things for rational reasons. Like they looked at the benefits and blah, blah, blah. And then they made up their mind. And, and actually people, people buy mostly on emotion, I believe. And I, I think it's the same way with the vision is that the, the vision needs to be, you know, connect with people at a more, you know, visceral level. Than just you know a, a number for me you know I'm sure there are many paths to success but this is just what what I feel like resonates well
0: yeah absolutely well and and th- you know the funny thing is with the money goals your customers never really want to get behind your money goal you know because <laughs> they know that they know where the money's coming from so, exactly yeah um, well that's great well we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna be right back with more from Adam and we're gonna begin looking at their new approach to sales and technology. And and I think there's going to be a ton here for all of you listening who ever have to sell something. And I know that's everybody that's on the, on the, the line right now. So we'll be right back with more from Adam. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Welcome back. This is Steve Gordon and I'm talking with Adam Honing of Spiro Technologies. And Adam, um, you know, when we left off, we, you know, we, we kind of alluded to this new approach that you have to sales and how you're a- approaching kind of the, the sales technology industry from a new vantage point. Give us kind of the background of that. So the 10,000 foot view, so we can understand what you're trying to accomplish.
1: Sure, sure. So so, you know, I have a a dream really, you know, and, and my my dream is all about software getting out of the way and really just working in the background. And what I mean by that is is salespeople, you know, need to, you know, in order to move business forward, they need to talk with people on the phone, they need to meet with them, they need to send them emails and proposals. And in my view, the software should be taking the clues from all of that activity. And just doing things to support the salesperson without them ever having to you know, like type a bunch of crap in, basically, you know. And so uh, so our approach, um, it was it was inspired by a you know a movie called Her, which showed how artificial intelligence in the future was helping you know this one guy kind of get through his life. And sort of the, what we took away from that movie was that we could use AI technology to literally, be like an assistant to a salesperson, to, to read their emails, to listen in on their phone calls, to be with them wherever they go, take notes, understand what the follow-ups should be, give them feedback on how things are going, you know, set appointments, like whatever needs to happen, like just be there with the salesperson to make, make the sale happen and assist them instead of kind of the, the way the sales software tends to work today, which is which requires the salesperson to become a, a data entry clerk for very little value. You know, so so our vision is. Uh, sometimes we, we think about it a little bit like an Ironman suit for a salesperson. How do we equip them with with special powers to help them? You know, be be a better salesperson, get more business done for their company. Is that is that too abstract? Should I dive into a little bit more of a detail on that?
0: No, I mean, I think for anybody that's ever used a CRM, they get it, you know? Um, I get asked all the time because of the business we're in about, you know, recommending a a CRM tool or a a sales tool uh, for people to kind of keep track of things. And I've always said that the the best one to use is the one you will use uh, because you can get them with all, all these bells and whistles. And what I found most of the time is that they're so complicated and there's so much work to do to keep the system up that nobody ever really follows through. Nobody wants to do it. And, and at the, you know, if, if you're going to go down that route, what's the point? Um, and, no, I, I, I see exactly where you're heading. I think it's brilliant because if, if you can take that load off of the salesperson and enable them to go create the relationship that they need to create, uh, you, you've now, you know, really increased your sales productivity, or you should have. Uh, which, right. which is the ultimate point, right?
1: I so, mean, people, you know, people who use traditional CRM, salespeople who use traditional CRM, spend up to forty percent of their day, you know, doing admin work, essentially, you know, typing in contacts, creating status updates, making call reports, you know, and and that's that's not add value to the sales process. You know, it might help the sales manager have a sense for what's going on, or, or leadership understand how the forecast is going. But it's not going to make the wheels of commerce turn. You know, that's that's not going to happen. And so our vision is to have a CRM that literally does not need to be used. It just happens, you know. And, and the great thing about the world today is with the advances in technology, that is totally possible. And that's, you know, we, we've built a, a lot of that into the product today. And, you know, every month we're rolling out more and more features. And and what it's really doing is for companies that have never used CRM before, and there's a lot of them, you know, when when I ask them why they've never used CRM, they say, well, I just don't believe my sales team is going to use it. You know, and our answer is, well, what if there was one that they didn't have to use?
0: I love it. Yeah, Um, and I I, I just love where you're heading with it. And uh, um, I'd love to kind of dive into some of the sales practices that you talk about. I know you do a tremendous amount of education uh, for people who are trying to sell on your website. And you talk about the fact that you know, there, there are eight reasons why no one is buying from you. Can you kind of walk us through what some of the challenges are, why people aren't buying? Uh, what are the behaviors that salespeople have maybe that, that are leading to that?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, let me just let me just take it uh, just at a slightly higher level and then we'll jump sure. into that because my yeah. my view on sales is first of all that it, there's nothing magic or special about it. Like I uh, there's a lot of technical entrepreneurs that I've worked with who are very scared about selling and and they shouldn't be. It's it's a very practical science. And you know, and I I feel like the very uh the very basic things are often the things that are tripping people up. So, are you Targeting the right person, like you know, people, you know, if you're if you're like like Spiro, uh, our product works really well in a B2B environment. It's not as well suited for uh, a company that's selling to consumers. So if we're calling on the wrong company, that's a major you know red flag, and you know we could waste a lot of time selling to the wrong people. So it's these it's these very core things that I feel like when people are getting tripped up in sales that they're missing. So are you selling to the right person? Did they, you know, really indicate to you that they've got, uh, you know, a problem that needs to be solved or an opportunity that you can really address? Did you really listen well enough to make sure that you've got that connection or are you just kind of in your own head with your own product being stuck on that? You know, are you talking to somebody who's capable of making a decision? You know, and, and if you talk to the salespeople, these are all you know, just three of the eight things that we, you know, you asked me about these are all very, very fundamental questions. But it's, it can be hard for people when they're in the moment of selling to keep them in mind. And so a lot of the, the work that we publish, you know, is, is different uh, tips and techniques to kind of stay in the moment while selling, you know, and make sure that you're really focused on the fundamentals. Um, you know, and, and I know there's a lot, of, a lot of great work that's being done in, in sales about, different selling methodologies and approaches and philosophies and stuff like that. You know, my view is, you know, 90% of sales are, are made or lost based upon these very, very basic principles. And let's just be great at those before we go do anything else. Does yeah, that really I think, make
0: sense? yeah, I think that's key. Um, I mean, we run into it all the time. So in, in our business, we, we work with companies on the marketing side, um, same problems. Who are you trying to reach? You know, do they have a problem that you can solve and, and do they know they have a problem? Uh, and, you know, and, and getting it down to that basic thing um, is really critical. The big mistake we see made all the time, and I'd imagine that, that, that you do as well, is that oftentimes a business will create something or they'll have a service or they'll sell a product and they just know that everybody that fits a certain description needs it. Yep. But the problem is nobody that fits that description either is aware that they need it or cares about it enough to spend money on it or wants it. And, yeah, and you know, getting to me that's part of what you're saying is you gotta you gotta be in front of somebody who actually has expressed that that they've got a problem. Yep. Because yep. If, if they're not aware of it, you're gonna have a really hard time. You're gonna waste a lot of time trying to to sort of, you know, go and, and convert someone rather than you know, speaking with someone who, who knows that they have a problem. So much easier that way.
1: Right. No, it's, it's a big issue. And, of course, in sales, part of the big challenge that we face a lot, too, is how do you even just, like, connect with that person? How do you actually engage with them to make sure that you're, you know, you can test that, right? And so we, we talk a lot on our blog, and we, you know, we've written a lot about persistence and how important persistence is in sales. Um, you know, and all the different methods that you can use to engage with buyers. Uh, you know, I, and I know there's a lot of social selling, you know, commentary and email techniques. And But I have to say, we're big believers in the phone. You know, it, it's a technology that uh, I don't believe has, uh, you know, reached its peak yet. Um, and and we, we believe in it so much, we've actually built it in to the product that we offer. And it's Spiro, the product actually recommends calls to people and the timing of calls and prompts salespeople, you know, gently that, Oh, Hey, you haven't spoken with uh, Steve Gordon in a while. This would be a great time to reach out. Uh, you know, and that's, you know, so we we try to take the approach of this very, very practical advice that we give people and really fold it into the product as well.
0: Now, one of the things that I, I hear a lot from salespeople and from business owners is that when they, when they're making that call, They're not quite sure what to say. They get frustrated because they're going to voicemail 95% of the time. Um, As you've built this out, are you you doing things to either educate them or or built into the product that would help someone know, okay, well, here are maybe some things to, to reconnect on.
1: Absolutely. So, so one of the, things in uh, Spiro in um, our website by the way spiro Spiro.ai, because we're all about AI Spiro but um, w- you know one of the things that that Spiro does to help with that is it it notices um, you know the calls that you're making and the emails that you're sending and it literally reads and understands them and so it, it makes recommendations of let's say a, an email template that maybe you should send based upon if you've been reaching out to somebody a whole bunch of times, you're getting voicemails, try this particular email template, you know, to to see if it'll get a reaction. If, you know, a prospect has gone cold, uh, maybe you had some good conversations with them, but now they're suddenly not getting back to you. Uh, we've got another approach for that. We've got an email template that we call email buried, which, which just kills in terms of getting, provoking a response, good or bad, right? Because what you need in sales is somebody to say, hey, I'm not interested anymore. That's just important to you, you know, Getting back to you with a positive response, you know. So there's a lot of things that we built into the product to do that in terms of call timing, you know, recommending early calls. Maybe you're calling people in the afternoon, and that's not a good time for them to be picking up. So there's a lot of a lot of data science that's gone behind uh, what we call the recommendations that Spiro pushes at people.
0: I love that you're taking a lot of the the thinking out of out of it, which is allowing I would imagine allowing the salespeople to focus on. The relationship that they really need to create to support commerce.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we want them to be all ears and focused and listening when they do engage with somebody, right? To really understand what's going on with the prospect that maybe we can help them with, right? I mean, in sales, that's what we're trying to do. And if you're all busy thinking about the next email, or the other guy that you need to reach out to or something like that, it's going to be hard to be in the moment and, and be effective.
0: You talked about persistence as kind of being a secret weapon. Um, we're, we're big believers in that uh, around here and um, as you look at all the data that you've got, uh, I know there was there was data out years and years ago about the number of, of contacts it, it takes to make a sale and you know how most most salespeople give up after one or two. Um, as you're looking at now more current data, has anything changed there is there a threshold where you begin to see people you know they're 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 finding success after they've persisted through to a certain point
1: sure I mean it's uh, I think that the old statistic was it, it was seven or eight outreaches to to really become noticed even by a prospect you know and what we're seeing now is that the 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 trend in sales and and i I have my own philosophy about this but uh, so people just don't answer the phone anymore. I mean, straight up, never. People just never. Some people just never answer their phone. and I, I feel like the amount of, um, you know, people trying to reach out and connect with them has increased. I'm. I believe that this thing that's called local presence dialing has really uh, hurt everybody in sales. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with local presence. It's when you get a phone call from basically your own phone number, just about to try to trick you into answering, thinking it's your neighbor or something like that. So I think there's been a lot of uh, tactics that, that people have used over the years in an inauthentic way that have stopped people from being willing to engage. And so now, you know, what we're seeing is 13, 14 attempts, you know, are much more common uh, to before success than, than the eight that it was like four, even four or five years ago. So, um, you know, we're encouraging our clients to uh, put some social into the mix. Uh, whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn or, or Facebook, in an appropriate way to be mixing SMS uh, into the conversation once you've made contact uh, with the prospect. So let's say we had a great first call, and typical thing that happens is, hey, I'm just ne- you're never going to answer my phone call again for whatever reason. Have it a quick SMS saying, hey, you know, I don't want to bother you. Should I continue following up with you? Boom, just let me know if I should stop. You know, simple as that. Maybe they're going to say, oh, I'm really sorry, I've been busy. Maybe they're going to say, you know, you're right, this isn't a fit. It's an easier way for the prospect to, to tell you that, that you're not the right uh, person to help them because it's not quite as personal. And, of course, you know, with our philosophy, we've we've built that into our product so you can easily send these messages and capture them and stuff. So um, that's uh, that's kind of our point of view on that. But it, and I think the trend line is clear, Steve. I think it's only going to get harder over time to reach prospects. So I think we need to be prepared for that.
0: Well, you know, it, it sounds like bad news, but I, I think there actually is good news within it. Um, and, and that is that if you make the decision to to be persistent through that, you're going to find a lot of success because as you get further into those number of contacts, there's not a whole lot of competition.
1: It's true. It's true. And I, I think the other Side of that coin is also that that personal relationships matter more than ever, and uh, in in sales, you know what we're seeing, and, and we're advising, and we're writing blogs, and you know publishing tips about all of this stuff. But but is to really be, um, you know, how do you build your own personal referral engine, right? Because you know maybe you know uh, Joe is never going to answer the phone if you call him, but if you know if he's a good friend of Steve's, then that's much more likely that you'll get a hold of him than anything else. So how do you uh, how do you become, you know, more networking oriented and, and do the steps to build these relationships and not, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people just kind of fall in, in the tactic of, okay, well, I'm gonna send a thousand emails today then. I'm gonna send ten thousand emails today if that's what it takes. And I, I just don't feel like that's gonna make it happen. You know, because it's it's just not authentic enough. And in, in sales, if you, if your goal is to really help somebody, which it should be, then you need to uh, be authentic with that. You know, that approach to them.
0: Yeah, we we couldn't agree more. Uh, we're we're seeing that in in marketing as well. That I mean, there's been such a focus on on how can I go to the masses, because the internet has allowed that in ways that weren't possible before. You know, it used to be. You know, I, I can remember doing this when you still had to put a stamp on the envelope and it cost money and, you know, you had to actually print things and and there was a real cost to trying to, you know, generate a lead. And uh, and that forced you to be very thoughtful and very specific about who you were going to invest that money in. And, you know, the internet has allowed us to to really – ramp up, I think both on the marketing and the sales side, to ramp up the volume of people that we're we're reaching out to because we can just do it in mass and there's no marginal cost. Like you say, to st- if I'm going to send 10 emails or a thousand emails, there's very little marginal cost because somebody's built some tool or script that's going to allow me to blast those out there. But the problem with that is that is that you're not actually doing the the heavy lifting, which is understanding who that other human is that's going to buy, and right. I I think to me this is this is the thing that's ringing big alarm bells, and it sounds like you guys are seeing it too, is that if as we move to a, a fully global economy where your competitors aren't just down the street, they're around the world, that the single bi- biggest differentiator you have is the relationship that you've created because that's the hardest thing to displace.
1: Right. Right.
0: And it's not right. how many more things can I send out and how many more people can I just send the generic thing to, but how can I go small and deep and and actually show somebody that I care? And I, I love that you guys are enabling that. I, I'm really interested to, to see uh, more and I, I hope everybody that's listening will will take the opportunity to to go and and uh, check out Spiro and and see what you guys are doing. So, um, yeah, I, I
1: just I, want to give you a little bit of my, my thought on this because for for me, you know, so you want to build that authentic one to one relationship as a salesperson, and so one of the things that we do in Spiro is, you know, when we say, you know, hey, give Steve Gordon a call, when we push that information to the salesperson, we we provide them with the context of it. So we provide them the social information. We provide them with past history, so that they can immediately, you know, kind of get into that moment before they make the call. So you know, instead of just having a big call list, it's it's like got a lot of context, you know, right there for them. And I think that definitely helps.
0: Absolutely. So, Adam, we could probably go on forever because um, this is a topic I'm passionate about, and I know you are too. Um, but, but for people who are listening, where, where can they go and find out more um, and, and kind of tap into the education you guys are doing and learn more about the software that you've developed?
1: Sure. So our, our website is Spiro.ai. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, um, we've put up a page. at Spiro.ai slash the Unstoppable CEO. Actually, I think it's just Unstoppable CEO, excuse me. And we will put up some resources there. We, we have a, a great, if you're looking for uh, sales, you know, techniques to help revitalize your sales process. We have an ebook that we call the 44 best sales tips ever uh, that kind of took our, you know, seven or 800 blog posts and pulled out the best, you know, nuggets from all of them into one ebook. You can certainly learn about our, our software there or, you know, sign up for our, you know, weekly blog updates where we publish all kinds of advice on selling. Um, so I'd say that's probably the best way to uh, to, to get a hold of us. And just because I said, the URL wrong. I just want to be clear. It's spiro.ai slash unstoppable CEO. That should be easy for everybody in the audience to remember.
0: Absolutely. And we'll be sure to link that up in the show notes. So if uh, you're driving and listening to this, uh, not to worry, it'll be in the show notes, either on your uh, your phone where you're listening or on our site as well, so you can get over there. But uh, Adam, thanks so much. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I've learned a lot, and uh, and I just uh, appreciate the direction you get, You guys are uh, heading in with, with CRM. Uh, thanks for being on today. It's been great.
1: Yeah, no, it's been great talking with you too.
0: Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.